0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 848 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. Today's show will feature another visit from Brian Schroeder of Dime, etc. Brian's been kind enough to join me for multiple parts and talk about all kinds of the top-tier prospects. Last week, we talked about James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards. The mellow ball, etc. Today's show will be about Alexei Pokashevsky um, on the second half of this podcast, and Brian's very high on him as a very intriguing player. I know he's not always someone we talk about, but uh, one of the more fascinating players in the entire draft class, so we'll get to that momentarily. Before we get to Brian, though, a couple news ish items, not really news necessarily, just kind of catch up items that I wanted to hit on from last week, and we'll dive in with those now. First of which, Uh, The good folks at DraftKings released NBA MVP odds for next season. Now, it's too early for that, quite obviously. But with MVP, it's a little bit less ridiculous because the team construction and the roster stuff doesn't doesn't matter quite as much. It matters some because, you know, inevitably the MVP has to be on a good team almost certainly. So you have to be good enough to actually win MVP. We'll talk about that in a second. But this is a little bit less ridiculous, and uh, I wanted to talk about this because the Hawks actually had two players listed in this seventy-five person group that was actually assigned odds. The one that is actually relevant is Trey Young, who is eighty to one to win MVP on DraftKings. John Collins, by the way, is five hundred to one. With all respect to John, I don't see him winning MVP next year. He's very good, but uh, that that would be a, quite an accomplishment and would be pretty, pretty surprising. But Trey, you can kind of see it a little bit more. Um, for the record, he is tied for twenty second among uh, people listed in terms of the order of the odds. Actually, he has the same odds as Pascal Siakam of the Raptors. And honestly, without being a homer or anything like that, I think the 80-1 to is pretty decent value on Trey Young. Obviously, he's not likely to win MVP next year. I think that's pretty easy to see if you are being objective about it. But Trey has the numbers already. He finished top four last year in both points and assists on good efficiency, and he's still so youthful that he has every reason to believe that he can repeat that or maybe even get a little bit better going into next season. But from there, the real thing about MVP, as I said before, is that you have to have a decent team. I mean, you don't have to win, like, 60 games necessarily. We've seen Russell Westbrook win MVP on a team that was not fantastic, etc. But you have to be a playoff team at a bare minimum and probably a home court advantage level team, realistically, to win MVP. So the biggest thing is that the Hawks would have to be pretty good next year to have Trey really, I would say practically have a chance. You could certainly argue that MVP shouldn't be that way, but just the way that it actually works, if you're betting on this, you would have to be living in the real world of where I've sort of what you have to be able to do to win MVP, and that means the Hawks have to be pretty good next year for him to do it. So at the moment. The roster is such where they only have nine guys under contract, only eight guys guaranteed, etc. There's a lot of flexibility, a lot of uncertainty there with the roster, but a lot can change. If the Hawks went out and made a big splash or two in the offseason, 80-1 to would be long gone, and you would see Trey have much less odds. So if you're hoping slash thinking the Hawks might do something big in the offseason, you know, 80-1 to could be a little bit less crazy than you might think. Also, as a reminder, I said this, I think it was two weeks ago on the podcast, but the original... NBA title odds for next year have been out in multiple places of different odds, but in general, the Hawks are about 100 to one to win the championship next year. So, honestly, I think betting Trey at 80 to one to win MVP is a better value, pretty clearly in my view, than the Hawks won the championship. So, neither are likely to happen. <laughs> that goes without saying, I think, but. I think it's pretty notably more likely that Trey wins MVP next year than it is the Hawks win the title because if the Hawks, you know, made a made made a big leap next year, won 49, 52 games, something like that, with the four seed in the East, or the three seed in the East, um, and Trey averaged what he's capable of averaging, you know, 30 and 10, basically, that is an MVP level case. Whereas that team probably doesn't win the championship. MVP is definitely in view there. So without taking it too seriously, I wanted to pass that along to you to so, talk about the MVP odds and the fact that I could see a couple people from, uh, I would say a couple couple Hawks fans maybe sprinkling some money on that one if they wanted, wanted to get weird. By the way, DraftKings is legal some places, not, not Georgia, but if you live certain, certain other places, it would be legal for you to fire on. So there you go on that. The other thing I want to mention is that ESPN released their way too early power rankings for next season. Uh, last week. The Hawks came in at 24th, which surprised me a little bit, and then I looked at it a little bit closer. I will say this, it's too low in my view, but the case can obviously be made that the Hawks only have nine guys under contract. Two of them are Bruno Fernando and Brandon Goodwin, so it's not like they have a roster that's ready-made right now. There is some projection built into these rankings, according to what they were saying on ESPN, but there's still a lot of work to do on this roster, etc. Um, also, you know, uncertainty reigns there. The last thing I want to say about this is that the bottom five teams on this list from 26 to 30 are all from the East. So the Hawks are 24th in the NBA on this list, but 10th in the East, which is kind of funny. It's not terribly surprising given the way the East has been um, viewed for a long time now, but it's not quite as depressing if you're a Hawks fan to see that kind of ranking. And, you know, you don't have to agree with that. I'm, I think it's probably a little bit low, honestly. But um, it's just one of those things where, yeah, 24th sounds kind of bad. And you look at it like 10th in the East is not not so bad, honestly. Of course, the Hawks want to make the playoffs next year, and they think they, I think they have a pretty realistic chance of doing so, depending on what they do this offseason. But um, yeah, 10th in the East is not quite as disrespectful as 24th might actually seem, broadly speaking. So people were asking me about that, and uh, that's my only thought about it. I wouldn't worry too much. A lot's going to change, and power rankings have—as someone who has to do power rankings quite a bit at Dime, they are— interesting. Sometimes they're basically made to inspire discussion. That's the whole point of them. And uh, I wouldn't make really anything of it this this early on, but there you go on that. And that's where the Hawks lie in uh, the most prominent power ranking that I have seen so far. Okay, let's get into our conversation with Brian Schroeder. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor on today's podcast, and that is the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I told you in the past I much, really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now they're up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like Caramel Brownie, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, and my personal favorite, Cookies and Cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is builtbar.com. promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. As a reminder, before I bring in Brian to talk about Alexis Pokashevsky, I wanted to remind you these conversations that I had with Brian were parts of a larger discussion, so I did a few of these at a time, so you will probably hear that, just want to be reminded of that. If you listen to the podcast last week, you'll make sense of that and it all sort of stands alone in some ways, but there's some ebbs and flows to the discussion, so you'll hear at the end, this is one that I actually wrapped up with Brian on the podcast, so you'll hear that at the end of this discussion, but there's much more to come, including Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro and Ataris Halliburton, etc. later on this weekend and next week, but uh Today is Pokushevsky, so stay tuned for myself and Brian talking all about one of the more intriguing players in this entire class. Alexa Pokashevsky time. Yeah. Um, this is a guy I know you are very excited about. Um, I, you know, candidly, i not. I have no idea where he's going to go in the draft. I'll say that right now at the top, oh, but, uh, <laughs> it's going to be very seems interesting. I
1: heard were in Minnesota and then uh, Denver. There you Denver go. Denver is
0: funny. Denver <laughs> is the uh, the home of all uh, weird, the, whole, the home of all weird, all weirdness with the draft. But I say that just to say, you know, the Hawks pick six. I, I get all that. I'd be surprised if they took him in six. Regardless, uh, okay. you, you are you are high on him. I know this for a fact. People have not. I know people have not seen him really at all. So please just tell people what they would be getting I mean, with Poceski.
1: I've barely seen. Like he only played like thirteen games last year. It's Just in those thirteen games, he. Well, what was it like? His per 36s were better than Giannis's were in the same league at and he was younger. He's the he's the strangest player. That's sort of like where I'm where I'm at with him. It's just like describing him is almost impossible. Um so like the idea of, of weirdness being goodness, I think, is is catching on a little more. And he is extremely weird. Um he's so strange because he, he did shoot around sixty five percent of the rim, which is fine he's like a sub 45 around 40% field goal guy because he just, he's not, he, he weighs 199 pounds and he's a seven foot one guy. But um, (laughs) he is is one of the youngest players that will ever be drafted because he's, his birthday is the day after Christmas. So like if he was born six days later, he would not be in this draft. Uh, Kyra Lewis is like that last year. Like he was too young. Legally could not be drafted. Yeah.
0: Kyra Lewis went to college for a year and then was not allowed to go to the draft, which doesn't really happen anymore. And that, that happened with Kyra Lewis.
1: Yeah. That's going to happen with another guy at Alabama this year, Josh Primo. Um, look, apparently they have a type, but Pukashevsky is, the weird thing about him is a lot of his offensive highlights have, have hit the have thing. Cause he does Larry Bird passes. That's the only way to describe it. He'll, he'll like, a lot of guys do flashy passes for fun. Pokashevsky will do like a flashy pass in the middle of four defenders and it'll go to the right place. Somehow he's got all sorts of like tap passes. He has like wraparound passes. He's got, he did one behind the back to the other corner, like around his back all the way running full speed in transition, which is just not, it's not something people do his, I even the thinking of like, Oh, let me do this pass is insane. He can shoot off the movement off the movement. He can shoot off a dribble as a seven foot 18 year old, He's a like an 80 plus foul shooter. Uh, he has one of the most ridiculous block and seal rates of any prospect I've ever seen in my life. He blocked everything, and he stole everything, and he's like a good rebounder. That's the other thing. That's the thing that gives me a lot of confidence. Is like a lot of these like three and three and B bigs, threes and blocks bigs. Like Jaren had problems rebounding, and he still does. Bogushevsky getting rebounds. Um, if you could guarantee me he will weigh like 235, I would take him number one. I just would, because he's just a freak. He's just not a normal basketball player. He does things that human beings should not be doing on basketball courts. Now, like <laughs> I said, he may not play in the NBA next year. Like, he may not. He's going to come over. He wants, he's wants. he been training for it. He, he speaks. He's already speaks good English, but he may just play in the G League all year. And if he does that, he'll have the greatest G League season of all time. But... uh <laughs> yeah, he, he's just got to gain, like, he's got to gain weight, and, like, so does everybody, so does every skinny big, we just, this week, we had the Victor Wembana thing, where people were, like, I, it really annoys me, when people will see, like, a 16, 17-year-old who weighs, like, 190 pounds, and be like, oh, he's got to gain more weight, it's like, thanks, thanks for that dazzling insight, no one can tell, <laughs> it's like, watching a car accident, you're like, ah, oh, your problem is that you got your car, your car got hit, like, okay, thanks, okay, but, like, well- watching a guy, with, like, Gordon Hayward broke his ankle. People were like, that looks like an ankle injury to me. Really? It does. Okay. Thanks.
0: I want, I wanted to ask, this is, this is, this is more more philosophical um, than anything, but like, I'm sure people will be surprised to hear you say the thing about maybe taking him number one and he doesn't, he's not going to go there. All that, all that, all that said, like, Tell me here me I know I know a little bit more about how you think about this, but tell people that are listening like how you see this because it seems like it's obviously a, an upside play, but how do you view the draft like is that just because you think he has the highest upside that 's why you have number one? Is it purely upside like how do you rate his floor like how do you sort of calibrate that
1: his floor is concerning I think again kind in of the normal draft he wouldn't be the guy who would take number one, but his upside is I think easily the highest and it's not just that like he's a good basketball player right now. Like he was good. He's been good everywhere he's played. He, he killed, he like, I watched five or six of his, uh, Greek second league games, which is again, the same league Giannis played in. And he's not going to be honest because trying to project that kind of physical growth in another human being is impossible, but he obliterated it like stats wise and teams were terrified of him. Like you see it sometimes in like a high school game when like a, a guy who was like a big shot blocker comes in and teams, the players won't go to the rim. And like, he did that. He did the, he, he's done the, uh, look at the ring up white side again. He's done the white side, like catch block. He did like four or five times and, and teams stopped. They just like stopped shooting at the rim when he was in, which is crazy. And like, again, a lot of these guys were, were some of these guys were 19, 20, 21 20 year olds. He was a 17 year old doing this thing he has not played basketball since he turned 18 not anywhere significant and he doesn't turn 19 until after like a month and a half after the draft so he's sort of it's a weird combination of like the upside is is the selling point but it's also like i said if he gains weight the upside seems pretty likely to me of being like i mean you wouldn't take Bol Bol number one last year, but there were times where you watch Bol Bol and you're like, I see, like, the, like what if this guy is the what if this is what he is? And I like Pokashevsky a lot more than I like Bol because Bol has the balance of a deer and like can't set picks. And Pokashevsky like moves really well. He's incredibly fluid, like more so than Porzingis was, as a as a as a tall like seven footer guy. Like he gets low on his dribbles, really low, and like is a good dribbler. So like I feel like. He's going to have the ball, and he's going to protect, protect the rim, and he's going to shoot threes, and he's going to be like a well above average playmaker at his position, which is the four or five if he gains weight. So, like, what... I guess my question is, what other big man prospects have that combination of skills? Like, elite, like, really good dribbler can sh- will shoot, will protect the rim, will rebound, will make passes. Like, high-level passes. And, like, isn't Jokic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting because I, I I'll be honest I the strength is the
1: strength is the big thing like, the strength is the one it's the, his Achilles heel because there's no elite player in the NBA who's not strong except maybe Steph Curry, and but
0: he's 18 years old
1: and it's like, right and that, that's and the thing also, that's
0: so hard about this for me as someone who I've not seen him as much as you but I've seen him enough to like have some opinions is just the whole evaluation is like can he be physically an NBA player. <laughs> like can he yeah, actually yeah. play on the interior in the NBA and not get killed is like a big part of the evaluation, which is like I'm not qualified. He's not to afraid kill him. of contact. But I mean he, he played
1: the shooting guard some this year. That's like, what I mean. Like, around, he,
0: he really played a lot on the perimeter. At, at least the one I saw he protects the rim like a big um but because of his size but like he he definitely is a perimeter player in a lot of ways which is crazy for someone who's his his height at the league and at the level he's playing at, it's just crazy to see that. And also the competition is the hardest thing for me anyway. And it's it to, to the strength thing, you know, the Giannis comp is out there, but like trying to evaluate Poku based on who he is playing against. It's very hard because he's not playing against anyone well, it's that a little,
1: It's a little easier considering when he played the ANGT with Olympiacos, which is the Adidas next generation tournament, which is like the big uh, prep tournament in, in Europe. They do under 21, under 20, under 19, under 18. Uh, he destroyed that too. Like he's, his numbers were uh, superhuman. So that helps. And that was even earlier than his last than the season he just played. But yeah, like his body may not be able to physically withstand the NBA, which is why he's not going to be on the top 10. And that's fine. I understand that. But I think he's one of the most obvious, like in three years, like how did we miss this guy? Players. And it, you know, like you said earlier, people are not going to be seeking out Greek second league games unless they do this for a
0: living, right? Uh, or even um, even then, it's hard. It's like hard to find tape of him.
1: Yeah, Angt stuff is a little easier because uh, FIBA will put that up on their uh, YouTube sometimes. But even then, you'll, you're talking about like six hour videos that have like five games in them, and you got to search through it. But um, yeah, he's just he's a, just. I moved him number one. Not even that. I think he will be the best player, but it's just like who do I enjoy watching the most, and that's him.
0: That's yeah, probably. it's it's really fascinating. I I do wonder like how early I would take him. You know, early in this process, once the Hawks got number six, you know, I got a couple questions about like, do you consider this guy at six? I I would. I know. Yeah, I, I know you but would. I and mean, I'm not the one who's going to get fired. So true. I mean, that, and that's the thing. It's really it's really risky. I think that goes without saying. But I would say
1: I would say how many? I don't think.
0: How many TMs would have gotten fired for missing the sixth pick? Not that many. I mean, not not, yeah, not, think, not on I their think, own anyway. It has to be something else. You know, if, if it's just yeah. one pick, that's not that's not going to be enough. But I mean, okay. Well, thankfully Travis Slank hasn't done anything bad in the last year and a half. One thing I wanted to ask you before we move off of Poku is that, like, what is what is his floor look like? Is he just like out of the, is it, is out of the league his floor? Is, I his guess just get his feeling. Okay, that's kind of what yeah, I think too. Well, I, I do, but I, but I do think, I do think, to, in, in fairness, the
1: NBA is much more, like, I, I remember arguing about this with somebody about, like, why Giannis wouldn't play in the 80s. He's like, he wouldn't, they wouldn't give him the ball in the 80s. He'd be Larry Nance, so you can't even, you can't even argue that. And, like, if Pokashevsky came along in, like, 2004, he just would be a big man. He would, They wouldn't give him the ball. And I do think, you know, the NBA is much more, but, but their ball handling is the, the the pinnacle skill, I, it, even more than shooting to me. And like, he's very good at it. So I think he will, no matter where he goes, I think he will get looked at it. Like, they'll let him handle the ball some and see what he does, especially in, in transition, which is where I think is most dangerous. Um, but he he has the, the, I think his defense, his intelligence is, is also like, he's just a freak. He just sees stuff that, that people don't see. He, he reacts, he's got really great reaction times. So, like, I do think. I mean, Dragon Bender is still in the league, and he's like, he I mean, plays kind, like Dragon Bender. He's
0: kind of still in the league, kind of. Yeah,
1: he's a fr- <laughs> he's been a fringe guy, but like, Dragon Bender's whole thing was he's terrified of contact and like, just didn't want to get hit. Bukowski does not have that problem. He doesn't mind getting hit. He can't withstand it right now physically, but yeah, I don't think I think his ceiling, his floor is, is what Bender was like last year, and that's like a that's like a zero percent outcome. I don't really think. I really think he's going to be in the league for a while i think he's just going to stick around because he's just weird like i think i think his ceiling is like lamar odom
0: yeah and more good
1: more a hybrid of lamar odom and Richard lewis
0: wow what a weird player it's that Rashard. is i'm trying to even envision yeah, that <clears throat> you can't yeah uh, but, but also
1: but also with with larry bird's confidence <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a great add-on like, to that yeah, whole thing because, because i've seen i've i've, I've seen
1: uh, people talking about like people would ask him about, like why did you do that behind the back path and he was like it seemed fun like, yeah okay i guess it did yeah well he yeah, he also i think one of the things that really hurts him is to evaluate is olympiacos i think very quickly figured out how good he was and so they didn't play him because that's happening more and more in europe now with, especially with like high level like not that the second level teams like Real Madrid doesn't care. They'll play anybody you know, they'll get another guy, but like Olympiakos and like these like yearly teams who could actually use a lottery level NBA player in three years, they're just not playing guys. So they put him in the middle of nowhere in the Greek second league. And he was just kind of screwing around a lot of the time and he was still dominating. Like that's like, he was obviously just like having fun. Like uh, a <laughs> PD Webb wrote a thing about him where <laughs> My favorite part of it was if, uh, if you take his shot chart from Olympiacos B and you put and you put them all together, you'll see, you'll see "Help me" spelled out on the on the court because <laughs> like he just <laughs> was bored. He's playing so at a level that was way below his talent. Like,
0: yeah, that that's dang. very clear too. I mean, I guess before I forget to ask you, I have to ask the Hawks question like. There's a lot of projection here, but like, what what is what does it look like if you stick him on the Hawks? If, for instance, Travis no like decided to take a massive swing and take him, or trade down and take him later, like you have no idea because I, I don't either. That's why I'm, I was I was relying on you, Ryan, because I, I have I have no clue yeah, what it looks I, like.
1: No concept of what that looks like. It'd be, I mean, that's sort of why I have number one. It's just like what.
0: Well, there, because there, honestly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be too crazy here, but there are scenarios. I think at six, they would not take him, but if they were to no. trade down, and there are there are spots where they could trade down pretty logically, especially if they got multiple Celtics picks. Yeah, but I mean, if Boston
1: Celtics picks, yeah. two Celtics picks if the Celtics want Killian Hayes. What's
0: that that is that is one that I have thought about as well. Um, and if the, if you do that, you you go down to 14, and at, at that point, it's more justifiable to swing um, on him for sure. I don't know if they'll do I that. I would even say if
1: you're at 14 – if you have multiple first-round picks and you're at 14 and you don't take him, I will never respect you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I uh, – you and I work uh, – do work for Dime, and I, I, I do the mock draft stuff, and uh, I, I think I've had him at 14 in multiple mocks already because it just makes too much sense. Like, I don't know. Not, not, not necessarily just for Boston alone, but he just the fact be, that you have he multiple may be picks.
1: The child. He, yeah, he may be the poster child for if you have – like, the guy you take if you have two picks – because if he doesn't work out, you have another person on pick to work, to work with. If he does, you look like an absolute genius.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I was glad that uh, we talked about it. And I still feel the same way I did before. Oh. I, I just, just a giant shrug emoji. But I do think that I see, I do, I, I do see the upside. Um, I'm not as far into it as you are, but I, I understand where you're coming from, I guess is the way I put that.
1: I think, I, I think at this point, I'm learning that the only really projectable skill that's, is knowing what you're doing on the basketball court <laughs> and even when he's like very obviously taking the piss he knows what like he just has that he doesn't play like physically he looks like a 15 year old he plays like a. he plays like what would happen if you put an nba guy in college like it just like the assuredness of like i am better like if you put like robert covington on a college team, right now he'd average 35 points a game and would just like that team would go undefeated because he would just beat everybody that's kind of how he plays like the talent is is obviously something. Figuring out what to do with him, where to play him, like what position he plays, I don't know. Shooting guard through center. Um, <laughs> shooting guard. is Yeah, hilarious. he's just the most exciting. He's the most exciting, I and mean, he's listed as a shooting guard in a lot of like a lot of places. It's, it's just a it's just so guard.
0: ridiculous. Yeah, seven seven one, shooting guard, and not in the Kevin Durant way. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, yeah. maybe he may he may be that kind of pull up shooter. Yeah, I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. Anything's, anything's on the table here. Uh, the last time someone that was a seven-footer played shooting guard was, was in Seattle under PJ Carlismo with, with KD. So I guess yes. it worked there eventually. Not really, but kind of. Um, all right, Brian. Well, uh, <laughs> this is going to wrap up our uh, extended first conversation. I'm going to beg you to come back, talk about the guys that are uh, more projected, usually in the Hawks' range, from a coro to a et cetera. But uh, please take a second and plug all your stuff. I know you uh, are writing all kinds of things on the internet, So please plug those now.
1: By the time this is out, I may have my, uh, my first two NCAA conference previews on Patreon. I'm deciding if I'm going to do it now, or if I'm going to start on the first. Um, but I'm doing those on Patreon, that Patreon at Cosmos. I will have my, I just need to finish like four or five more guys on my, my 75 men big board. And I'm going to put that out too. That's probably going to be, early November. I do stuff on Dime when I can. I'm trying to figure out how to write about Danny Avdia because he's kind of boring. Um, Great tease for, for so, our next know. podcast.
0: Boring boring, boring. Denny is uh, actually kind of true. Alas.
1: He's competent, but he's boring. That is um, true. I'm, I'm around. I'm always, I'm always trying to write something. <laughs> Follow what Brian's stuff.
0: Absolutely. Uh, this is the endless cycle, but we're almost there, man. Uh, hopefully, pretty soon we'll be talking about 2021. <sighs> Uh, more primal. I know you already, but we'll move on soon. I promise. Uh, Anyway, thanks for doing this. We'll probably talk to you soon. And as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, check out Brian's stuff, and we'll see you all next time.